Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Ryan Ladner, soon to be joined by Rex Hoggart. It is the third week of January, and finally, we have a full slate of activity. The PGA Tour back on the mainland with the American Express in Palm Springs. Rex is there. He'll give us some on-the-ground reporting. Abu Dhabi on the DP World Tour kicks off with Roy McIlroy making his 2020 debut. Kyle Morikawa, uh, the world number two, has yet another opportunity to rise to that top spot. LPJ Tour begins. PJ Tour Champions begins. Corn Ferry Tour begins. Latin America Amateur Championship with a spot in the Masters up for grabs. It is a very busy week. We're going to break it all down on this week's podcast. But first... Callaway's new Rogue ST drivers are their fastest, most stable drivers ever, with four head shapes to fit every type of player. Their industry-leading innovations include an all-new tungsten speed cartridge, jailbreak speed frame, and an AI-designed flash face for maximum speed with exceptional levels of forgiveness. And these drivers are already off to a great start on tour for players like the world number one John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Kevin Kisner, and Phil Mickelson, Road. ST drivers are available for pre-order on Friday. Go to CallawayGolf.com now to learn more. Rex, it sounds like I'm going to need to get my hands uh, on one of those drivers. Desperate need, my friend. Ten and a half degree stiff shaft. You think we can make it happen? Rex, you think we can make it happen? I'll pass it along. I'll see what I can do. Love to hear that. Uh, Rex, you're in Palm Springs. This is a tournament that is near and dear to my heart. Used to cover this all the time when I was a young uh, pro coming up at golf week. And then the early years uh, of my stint at GolfChannel.com. my grandparents used to live in Rancho Mraz. I would vacation every year, either during spring break or during the Christmas holiday to visit them. Uh, I love the snow capped mountains, the 70 degree uh, sun bathed afternoons, and then the very chilly evenings. It gets real cold real quick. Once that sun disappears behind the mountains. It really does in what really takes you. And I've been here in July and it's awful. So I kind of understand. Why oh, people, absolutely yes. toasty. Yes, yes. I understand why people do it the way they do. Grandpa they used to love here. it. Yes, they, they stay here in, in the cold months and then go back to wherever it is they're from in July and June when it's a million degrees here. I, I found it interesting and I, I love this tournament as well. I'm probably not as emotionally invested as you are, but I was going on golf today and, and Damon and Shane we're having an extended conversation before my hit came up 
And normally I, you and I can both attest to this again, pulling the curtain back a little bit, like you're really not listening to what's going on in the broadcast. Cause you're thinking about no, we're, we're just trying not to screw up. We're just trying That's to right. screw up. That's right. I'm trying to stay in between the lanes. I'm trying not to mess up. I'm trying to make sure I, I do whatever it is I have to do correctly. And they went on a 10 minute, I mean, I'm going to call it a tirade. And it was a solid 10 minute tirade. And the question was, is the game too easy? Of course, it's not too easy. Is, for pro, you. is pro golf I mean, too easy? Was the is question. pro golf too easy is what they were getting into. And this goes back to Maui. And you and I have addressed this. And right out of that conversation, they pulled me up. And my only response was, wow, you guys are not going to be happy this week because these guys are going to destroy <laughs> these golf courses. And I pointed out that Laquita is so easy. It's back in the rotation. They didn't even play Laquita last year because there was no amateur competition here. So now they've taken the course where at least one of the 259s that have been shot in this tournament was shot, and they've put it back in. It's going to be perfect. It's golf in the dome. And again, I go back to the idea. It may be too easy for the pros on certain conditions, on certain courses, but are you not entertained, man? Like, what is wrong with birdies? I don't get this. I mean, who cares? They're really easy golf courses. There's no rough. There, I mean, there's a rare exception uh, during this tournament week where you actually get a bunch of win. We've seen that the last couple of years. I mean, Patrick Reed hit 30 under par a couple of years ago. I remember that um, uh, Patrick Reed going deep there. I mean, La Quinta is one of the easiest golf courses. You're probably going to have a couple run-ins with 59 watches. Who cares? It's the early part of the year. We're going up against the NFL divisional playoff round. I mean, do you want to see guys shoot 25 under par vying for the title with John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay in a really good field uh, that's actually uh, assembled this week at the Amex? Or do you want to see guys slog it out at 12 under par? Third week of January, guys still knocking off the rust. First full field event on the mainland. I want to see birdies. I want to be, I want to be entertained. Want to be entertained and look, we go to Toy Ponds next week. You'll be at Toy Ponds next week. There's nothing easy brutish. about e- either one of the brutish. I mean, and look, the north course is, is marginally easier than the south course in that rotation. However, it's not easy. Like I love the north course, and it is not an easy golf course. And soon enough, we'll be at Bay Hill. We'll be at the Honda Classic. We'll be at the Players Championship. There's going to be a plenty and then of everyone right and, then, and then what does everyone say, Rex? When the Florida swing comes along. Ooh, this oh, isn't very, this isn't a very good prep for the Masters. This is yes. too difficult. Why would we do this? I, I don't understand. It was funny. Scotty Scheffler came to the media center today, and he was asked about it, and he had the same reaction. That, look, if you don't like watching us make birdies, I understand that. But the fact of the matter is, if you put any of us, tour professionals, on a golf course where there's no wind, and there's not going to be any wind this week, it's going to be in the mid to low 70s, and we're in the desert. Of course, there's not going to be any rain. Guys are going to destroy those golf courses. And I'm kind of looking forward to the idea that I have to pay attention to rounds because you're right. I guarantee you at one point this week, Golf Channel is going to put the 59 scroll up. It's got to go up over under at least once, right? I w- yeah, I would say over, I would say one and a half times you're going to have a 59 watch. I mean, that's just the nature of these three golf courses. It's the nature of this tournament. You know, you're going to have to shoot mid to upper 20s. Uh, to have a realistic chance to win this golf tournament. I always chuckle when people say like, oh, is, is professional golf too easy? And, and you're right. Like no wind, easy golf courses, no rough, uh, soft greens, uh, just perfectly scorable conditions. Of course, they're going to light it up. It's like, it's like for us, if you give us good quotes, if you give us a great <laughs> scene that we could lead our story with, if we can somehow rack our brains and think of a good kicker, no, none of us say like, oh, is, is, 
is writing too easy? That's like, too easy. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote it. I wrote a good story. Is writing too easy? No. There was a perfect confluence of events that allowed us to write a good story. Have we you ever said quotes, that? We had a good story? scene. We had a good kicker. What, do, what else do you want us to do? It's not, I promise it's not too easy. We just so happen to make it work. I've never said that. I've sat down and written a million stories over my lifetime. There have been some that are easier than others, but I've never kind of just taken a deep breath and went, whew, man. That was, that was like mailing it in. I mean, you can, you can tell, you can tell on major Sundays if I have the goods or not, because I can, I can usually get the game story done, which is going to be about 2000 words. If I can get it right around that two and a half hour mark, like that's kind of the sweet spot for me. I'm really cruising. If I can pump out 2000 words, good words in two and a half hours, if it's taking me longer than that, it's not transitions aren't transitions aren't coming easily i'm struggling with a couple nut graphs i'm not real pleased with my lead but certainly some easy some stories are easier than others i feel like the pga championship last year was was one of those that was not so easy for you i I walked out of that media center and i don't know that you were halfway done with your story now granted you had because i had to do a tv hit the middle to do a tv hit but i think you were laboring over that one if you're being and then i was getting and then i was getting killed on uh twitter because i i was accused of 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 being a, a panic mongrel uh with with the scene on the 72nd hole where phil and apparently people were taking shots at brooks uh i was not i was not fear-mongering i was not trying to uh incite panic among the masses it was a chaotic scene for about a minute and then uh, order was restored once i safely galloped to the back of the 18th grade i was actually quite pleased rex with that with that game story. And I actually believe I submitted that for the GWA writing contest. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, some of the, some of those, some of those, are they actually good stories or are you just trying to go for the topic? Uh, like, going for the topic. Phil, Cause Phil, Phil it was yeah, easy. Yeah. Phil, Phil winning a major uh, is easy. Uh, I also lead uh, all golf journalists in honorable mentions uh, in the writing contest. <laughs> I, don't know if I think I true. have about 15 of them. Uh, uh, the guys who did make it look easy, Rex, I do want to get on this before we, turn our attention to this full slate of action uh, across basically every uh, major tour is this incredible duel that we had at the Sony open. A guy who made it look very easy was Hideki Matsuyama. He now has three wins in his last 18 starts. A dude who very much did not make it look easy was Russell Henley five shot lead heading into the back nine, burn the lip on the 72nd hole and then really didn't stand a prayer uh, in overtime found the fairway bunker off the tee and Hideki hit what I'm calling right now on January 18th will be top three uh, shot of the year 277 three wood. That was basically brush it in distance uh, for about two and a half feet. What was your takeaway Henley's collapse or Matsuyama's back nine surge? Uh, our colleague, Doug Ferguson, who works for the Associated Press, who does a marvelous job. At the end of every season, he does this really cool story. I always thought it was a great idea. Where he oh, picks the, oh, yeah, definitely. I agree. The Club. best clubs of the year. The best wedge shot that was hit on the PGA Tour, 9-iron, 8-iron, so on and so on. And I immediately texted him on Sunday night that, well, you have your three wood. And his text mm. back to me was, we'll see. And I just kept thinking to myself, really, you think there's going to be one that's better than that in, in overtime? For the win, which is essentially a walk off, and his response was, "Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna hold it, you're not gonna hold a three wood, so hitting it to two and a half feet is about as good as it gets." Well, he goes, "Well, he didn't have to make the putt," and I go, "Well, now you're you're defining the outcome based on because his shot was did. so good that it forced his hand that he had to make birdie, he had to make, so of course he was going to go for it, Henley." 
Yes, he was going to go for it. To, to answer your question, and, and I'm not going to call out any of my colleagues because I have so much respect for anyone who goes on air and talks about golf. Go on. But it can be challenging. But someone said, and I honestly can't even tell you who, that they felt like Russell played well on the back nine. And I remember oh, my, head, my head snapped to the left to the point that I got like a pain in my neck. I had to get worked on before I got on the plane on Monday morning. He was one over. He played awful at a tournament where everyone was going low. And I just don't know why we don't have to be apologists for players. I think Russell Henley would be the first one. If he's being honest in his heart of hearts, will tell you, yes, I played awful coming down the stretch. I felt the pressure. He talked about it beforehand. I have a hard time sleeping on 54 hole leads. And clearly it was right there on the back nine. Let's just call it for what it is. Yeah. He's he's definitely going to have a hard time sleeping uh, after what was just an ugly collapse. I mean, the bogey on 11, he developed a two way miss off the tee, missing both left and right. He was just kind of grinding to a halt with his caddy, going over uh, course management decisions that probably for the previous 63 holes they would they had breezed through. I mean, all, all credit to him. He needed to make a handful of 10-footers just to stay in the lead uh, heading into the 18th hole. Uh, but no, that was not a well-played nine holes of golf for a guy who prior to that um, – had been inside the top three in both strokes gain approach and strokes gain putting. There was nothing to that finish uh, that was in- encouraging in-, in my eyes for Russell Henley. On the flip side, I think we need to talk about Hideki Matsuyama's evolution. This was a player who at the Masters snapped a four-year winless drought in dramatic fashion. And and look, it, it felt like a seminal moment, certainly for uh, Japan where they, this was their first male men's major champion. You could see the weight lifted off of Hideki Matsuyama afterward. But I think we're finally now starting to see the totality and the significance of that victory. And look, there's still a language barrier. We don't know Japanese. Hideki is still not yet comfortable uh, speaking English in, in press conference settings. So the insight that we're able to glean is still quite minimal. But one of the quotes that he said afterward, Rex, I thought was really revealing. And he said this through a translator, but when he was asked how his life has changed, if at all, he said it has because the pressure of not winning a major has been gone. To me, that was the most revealing thing Hideki has ever said. He is now unburdened. He is now unbothered. He is now unafraid of chasing after titles, whether it's at the Sony Open or, again, in a major championship. And I think that makes him really dangerous moving forward. He's still just 29 years old. I think it does make him really dangerous going forward. And I think – and you and I talked about this on Rogers Block on Sunday night. You should check it out. We're going to start doing it nice live plug. on Sunday night. You like that? Good plug. And on Wednesday evenings, early Thursday morning, whenever we can work out the timing on that to preview the tournament. But it was interesting. He led the field with Trost game putt. Never that, before. It, Never before has that happened. It was 7.26 strokes in strokes game putting. That's not a little bit. I mean, he had an unbelievable week. And this goes back to, and I think you connected the dots on this, Cameron Smith the week before in Maui. He led the field strokes gain off the tee, which is something that he hadn't done very often, if at all, I think, at that point. And I think the question you asked me is, which one of those things is sustainable? Do you expect to see Hideki leading Strokes game putting week in and week out on the PGA Tour? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either of those things is sustainable. I don't think I trust either one of those things 
to happen. And, and look, I think both of them are very talented players. When you look at Cam Smith, he's going to continue to putt really well, and he's going to be a good player, and he's going to win again on the PGA Tour. There's no doubt about it. Hideki is on the other side. He's an unbelievable, unbelievable magical ball striker. I mean, it is something to watch him hit the ball. The swing on the 18th tee in regulation where he sort of channeled his inner Bryson was a thing of beauty because unlike Bryson – it- straight. This looked completely controlled, and it's impossible to hit that fairway if you're hitting it that far because of the, just the way it runs out and it's it's the way it curves. There's no way he should be able to have held that fairway. It was an unbelievable shot. That's what I expect from him. The putting, I did not expect. Now, that said, and I'm not setting myself up for this debate again, I still think he's a very good putter as he proved at the Masters, which does require a modicum of putting despite what you argue with me about on Ryder's block. And I will retract a little bit that, okay, maybe it's not the Thank putting you. contest that he, it was, but you still need to know what you're doing on the greens. You still need to have some sort of control. You still have to have some sort of confidence. And Isn't that I true? Think- Isn't that true of every tournament? Of, of course, of course, the winner is going to have to putt well that week. Unless you're Justin no, Thomas. I don't who, think it's true at every who has, tournament. Who has, who has won tournaments while losing strokes gained putting. I mean, I would argue there, there's plenty of terms. The Open Championship immediately comes to mind just because. You better be, you better be a good lag putter. Yeah, you better be a good lag putter, but you don't have to be an excellent putter. You don't have to be making all of those six-footers for par that you look at. I think in Matsuyama's point, and to your point, he gets to this because of the confidence I think he got at the Masters. Because it was a major, I think it's just a byproduct because he builds it up in his own mind. We build it, we build it up in our minds. But I think the fact that he was able to deliver on that stage, knowing what he knows about that golf course and knowing the questions that everyone has about his game – Yes, I think that's the confidence that drove him forward to the Zozo Championship at the end of last year in the fall, and certainly this, you know, at the Sony Open. There's always this hysteria. I don't even think it's unique to Hideki, where if a guy has a a strength, which is one of his preeminent strengths, and that's clearly ball striking, if he happens to have a good putting week, the, the hysteria around that is, boy, if he f- figures out his putting, he's just going to be a world beater. And look, Hideki Matsuyama had the week of his life on the greens. He ended up winning uh, his eighth PGA Tour title. However, you can say that about at least a half dozen guys who are at the elite level of the PGA Tour, where if they just have a good putting week, they're probably going to win the tournament. Colin Morikawa, to me, is is the prime example of this, a guy who is gaining more than a shot on the field per round with his approaches. And we have seen when he has good putting weeks, as he did at the 2020 PJ championship. And again, at the 2021 open championship, he's going to win. He's going to beat those great fields. Roy McIlroy, a guy who is perennially among the best drivers of the golf ball on the PJ tour. When he has good putting weeks, I think back to Bay Hill, a couple of years ago, I think back to Wells Fargo this past year. I think back to the CJ Cup this past fall. Once he has great putting weeks, Roy McElroy is probably going to win the tournament as well. This is an anomaly. Hideki Matsuyama finishing You're number one it. in the field. It is an anomaly. He is the 205th ranked putter on the PJ Tour. He is by any metric not a good putter. He has lost strokes to the field each of the last three seasons on the PGA Tour. That does not mean that he is not capable of producing one, two, three, four great putting weeks throughout the course of the season. 
And if he does, yeah, he's probably going to be a multiple-time winner this season. He already is. Wouldn't surprise me at all, Rex, if he can put together one, maybe even two more uh, victories Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com calendar year and really challenge for PGA Tour Player of the Year. As you mentioned, you are at the Amex. It's going to be a shootout. A lot of low scores. Oh, so many low really scores. Really good field though, Rex. People are going to hate yeah. it. Like, Twitter is just going really beat this place up so bad. Unless, unless John Rahm wins and then everything uh, will be restored and in good order. You got John Rahm in the field. You got Patrick Cantlay. I'm hoping uh, secretly that they rekindle the duel that we saw not just at the Tour Championship and throughout the FedEx Cup playoffs, but they even had a little head-to-head uh, at Kapalua, where John Rahm finished second, uh, losing in a historic shootout to Cameron Smith, where while Cantley finished fourth. Uh, so I'm hoping that they can continue that. You also have Matt Wolf, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Sung J.M., Tony Finau, uh, Taylor Gooch, uh, who has been atop the FedEx Cup uh, point standings now for a couple of weeks. What are you most interested in seeing this week? I want to see how John Rahm comes out of i mean maui was amazing when you consider how much time he had taken off he had not hit a shot at least in the united states on the pga tour in anger since the Ryder cup and i think after that long of a break you would have thought that okay there would have been some sort of rust that there would have been something that he would have had to work he out. scoffed at that notion that he would be rusty oh he just scoffed at it he, and, he really he's he really putting a new like driver in play i think he's putting a new three wooden play i think he might be a new driver a you say a new driver uh, yes 10 and a half degrees stiff 10 and a half degree uh, stiff Does that sound familiar no. to you hmm, i sure hope so that's right. Uh, I think all of those things are, was impressive. And look, there's nothing John has done that that's not impressive. But it was also the kind of golf course that when I think of John Rahm's game, I, I actually, as much of a power player as he can be, and I certainly would put him in that category, I actually like him more on tight fairways that require a little bit more control. I'll go back to Toy Ponds. I mean, he was the golfer with, I would say, mentally, the best game, but more so he was just controlling his golf ball in very, very difficult conditions. I mean, Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open, I think it proved itself once again. So that's what I want to see come back. I, I thought it was interesting, and I did a little bit of reporting today on, on this, is that he is on the policy board, along with your boy Patrick Cantlay and Brooks Kepka. I'm sorry, that's not right. The Player Advisory Council. along yes. with your, Yes, along with your boy Patrick Cantlay and Brooks Kepka. And I'm amazed how quickly he has matured into a role of he's a leader on the PGA Tour now. Obviously, being world number one from, with a lot of things, but I still am, am very much impressed with everything he has done over the last year, which we know has been very trying. I mean, when you have two bouts of COVID and everything else that he went through, I, I think he came out of it in impressive fashion. When did it become cool to be on the pack? Uh, after Tiger and Phil. That was part of my report. That's the part that gets me. I mean, Rory was on the pack last year and, and he was voted chairman. And now he goes to the policy board. I, I, JT has done it. I mean, Spieth is on there. Jordan has JT's done it. JT's been on there. Uh, I, mean, I can Rom, tell you Rom's that Rom's Phil already Mickelson been on and Tiger though. Woods were never on the policy board. And I'm almost positive neither one were ever on the player advisory council. And whatever that means, you can read into it. I think Trip Eisenhower went on 
today on Golf Central after me and, and spoke a little bit more eloquently about this, having been a former member of the pack, back in their era, it was not the top players. They, they did not gravitate towards these roles as decision makers. They didn't gravitate towards any sort of leadership role whatsoever. I thought it was interesting last year when I asked Rory, it was at Torrey Pines, about running for chairman of the pack. And he spoke really well about the idea that, look, there's a lot of big decisions that the tour needs to make over the next few years. One of them, of course, is the strategic alliance between the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. And he wanted to be part of those decisions. I think you're seeing that across the board. I mean, look, Brooks doesn't have much interest in anything other than the main championship. He is championship. by far, to me, the most interesting member of the pack. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't seem to care about anything other than picking on Bryson and winning major championships. So now this is all of a sudden <laughs> going to mean something to him? What do, what do you think they're trying – like, clearly they have an agenda. They're not doing it for, for, the, for the greater good. They're not all of a sudden good Samaritans. All these guys have agendas. <laughs> they all have ulterior motives. What is it that the John Roms and the Patrick Cantlays and the Brooks Kepkas of the world are trying to achieve by being a part of the 16-man pack? I think there's enough things that happen on the PGA Tour, and I was, I was talking with someone who's kind of close – to Phil today, and he was telling me that Phil sort of lashed out at the idea of the green reading material because, and this kind of goes to Phil's history, for the major championships, Phil had put so much in energy into the idea that, okay, he wants to get to the majors, the masters being the exception because we go there every year, but he would get to the other three major venues early, and he and Pels, they would map out the greens and essentially do what these green reading books did. I mean, he would come up with his own version of it. And then the green reading books were created and he didn't have to do that anymore. And Phil was angry at the idea that now I have to do this and spend more time away from my family. And that to answer your question, that was a roundabout way of doing it. I think for players like a Brooks, or I would even say a Jordan or Justin Thomas, they want to be part of these decisions. They don't want to be on the outside complaining about it. Whereas Phil has been throughout the majority of his career, throughout all of his career, really. On the outside, Phil, is, Phil is still doing it. He's still doing it. And I don't think, and even in Brooks's case, I'm with you. He's the most fascinating person in all this because I think he wants to have a say. He wants to have a little bit more knowledge of exactly what's going on with the PGA Tour. I think the, the best example recently is whatever happened between the PGA Tour and the players who wanted to play in the Saudi International. There was more than two dozen players that needed to get competing event releases. And the tour drug his feet and, and held the other, some of the players' feet to the fire. They had to add events. I think that rubs players the wrong way, and I think they want to start having a say about that. GMAC and Paul Casey are part of the 2022 pack, and they are two players uh, who will be venturing across the pond to play in the Saudi International. Rex, I'm going to put you on the spot. Four players have been selected by the player directors to run for pack co-chairman. Does that mean they're going to be alongside Roy? How does this work? Roy, uh, Roy he, still gets a term, doesn't he? Or is, or is Roy out? No, Roy is in. So Roy starts his, it's it's a two-year term uh, as a player director at, when you're elected. What happens every third year just because of the timing? I think I have it right, right. It's like a leap year thing. They have to elect two co-chairs because two players are coming off the board at that time. So what they what they do is they do one, one, two, one, one, two. I think is how they do it. So yes, of those players uh, it, who are going to be running for it, um, Cantlay, Billy, Billy Horschel, Peter uh, Melnotti, and Webb Malnati. Simpson. Who's getting? Who's getting your pick? 
Uh, I think Cantlay is definitely getting the pick. I think there's a lot of respect among players for him. I think he has shown. Dude is interest. very sharp, and he is just no BS. And there's no BS, and and I think a lot of no players time for like politics. Some some of his comments last year at East Lake at the Tour Championship regarding the the specifically the player impact program. I think that resonated with a lot of guys where they started to understand that yes, this might have a detrimental effect. And I think we've seen it. I think we're seeing it right now with whatever it is that Phil did try to do it. I think the last two spots come down between Billy Horschel and Webb Simpson, nothing against Peter Malnati. I just think that Billy Horschel has been a part of this process. He's been a part of the pack for a long time uh, as has Webb Simpson. So I think the other two votes come down to those two guys, but I think Patrick Cantlay is a lock. Uh, that concludes the that concludes Rex the uh, 2022 uh, pack uh, discussion Sorry on the that. Golf Central podcast. Visit that Callaway Golf. If you guys, if you guys are still listening at this point, uh, more power to you. We thank you for your service this week, Rex, on the DP World Tour. Do not call it the European Tour. It is not right. called the European Tour anymore. It's called the DP World Tour. That is going to yeah, definitely right. take some getting used to. Roy McIlroy, your boy, kicking off his 2022. Two, you're in the bag for Rory. You have made that uh, well-known. However, even you have been a little bit critical. I wouldn't say overly critical because that's not your nature when it comes to Rory. You've been a little bit critical of the way that Rory played in 2021, despite having two victories on the PGA Tour. Had an opportunity to win in Dubai at the what was then known as the European Tour season finale. Kicked that one away. And then finished 18th out of 20 players at the Hero World Challenge with about a month to recharge. What are your realistic expectations for Rory, your boy, in 2022? I don't think he rips a shirt this time. I feel like I'm safe saying at that. this I feel tournament like the shirt. or this year. Uh, no, I'm going at this tournament this year. It could it could go either way. Look, I, I was critical because he was critical. Because you go back to the Ryder Cup and all of the emotion that came spilling out on Sunday. And I think, again, this is hard hearts time and trying to look into the soul of a man. In this particular case, I think he, he realized he had been too hard on himself over the course of the year. That, look, there are just certain things he, control, he can control and certain things he cannot control. And sometimes I think Rory has a hard time distinguishing between those two things. And when you saw those emotions at the Ryder Cup on Sunday after getting that victory, after by far his worst Ryder Cup ever. I mean, it was abysmal. I think he realized that he got he, benched. Yes. Roy McElroy on a terrible European team got benched. That's how bad it was going. And I think just think he realized that, that he needed to cut himself a little bit of slack. That It's easy to beat yourself up. You pointed out he won multiple times last year. Twice. Which, he won yes, twice. And, and what's going to continue – if he doesn't find a way around this, it's just going to continue to manifest that as he gets further and further away from his last major championship, as he gets closer and closer to Augusta national every year, it's only going to build. It's not going to get less. It's not as though things are just going to be whisked away. Anything other than a green jacket, it's just going to continue to fester. And he has to find a way to wrap, which is a very, very complicated and insightful mind. He's got to figure out a way to wrap that mind around it. I still maintain, and I've probably said it a number of times in this podcast, I maintain that he is conflicted. He is conflicted because this dude used to be the baddest man in golf. He was the alpha dog. He was strutting and stunting all over the dudes on the PGA Tour. That's who he was in his early to mid-20s. 
And yet you look at him now on the other side of 30, trending towards 35. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is a well-adjusted adult. And he is grappling with how can this well-adjusted adult with this inquisitive mind and this thoughtful personality and really a, a gentle spirit, can he still access that inner dog that made him great, that earned him four major titles by the age of, what, 24? Can he still access that player? That is the conflict he is finding. When he says that he's going back to the basics, Rex, that's great, and I think that is great for his mindset. Is that great for the actual X's and O's of his golf? Hitting that big, high, booming tee shot off the tee? Yeah, that's probably going to help his golf. But the same driver swing that makes him so elite is also the reason why he has always been a pedestrian, if not below average, wedge player. With a guy hitting 330, you're going to have wedges all day until he can sharpen up that aspect with Michael Bannon. I'm still not sure. And so... I'm going to pin this to you rapid fire. You have no idea this is coming to you, which is why this is going to be absolutely delightful. On a series of rapid fire Rory questions for you. Ready, set, go. Rory's world ranking is currently number eight. Does he finish the year higher than that in terms of one through seven or lower than that? Higher than that. You think he's going to be above world number eight? Why? And how, and how, how high will he go? Oh, I think he gets back into the top five. I don't know about one, two, or three. So I guess that just leaves four or five in my equation. However, I, I think that he has too much talent. That You can sit here, and these are supposed to be rapid fire, so I'm going as quickly as possible. But you can sit here and talk about, yes, he doesn't have the dog in him anymore. And there is something to that. I'm not denying. I'm not going to debate you on that. And I think that's what he was trying to manufacture in Dubai when he comically ripped his shirt off after kind of stumbling down the stretch. I think favorite favorite think, moment of 2021 for sure. I still think that makes me laugh in my head, just him struggling with the shirt and getting more and more angry <laughs> as he kept doing it. But there's still too much talent. I, I think as he gets closer with Michael Bannon, as they go back to sort of the roots, I, I just saw when he won the PGA Championship at Kiowa, it's always stuck with me that he kept hitting driver over and over again, and he didn't have to. He was winning by a million. He did it because he could, and I, I love that idea, and that player's still inside of him. John Rahm, Kyle Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, Justin Thomas, you think Rory is going to crash that party? I'm not uh, so sure. Dustin I Johnson, think... it leaves me with more questions. Now, if we, we yep. turn that question, Dustin Johnson, yes, absolutely, yes. But I also think Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley, uh, our pick to win the Masters, uh, FYI, uh, can make that leap as well. Rory, at the Masters, win top five, top ten, or other. What do you got? I'm going to go with other. I just think it's just going to continue to build. I mean, I don't know that. He has a terrific record at Augusta National. No, he has a fantastic record at Augusta National. I just think it's just going to get get worse for him. It just questions the idea that, look, this is the one thing that still separates him from the true greats in the game. I mean, winning the career Grand Slam is going to really push him over the top. Not that there's any debating right now that he was one of the best that ever played the game. But if he gets the career Grand Slam, that puts him in elite category. And I just think he knows it. He knows the game better than we do, dude. He sits and thinks about it much more than we do. I don't know about that. We, we think about it a lot. Uh, does Roy win a major in 2022? Yes or no? No. Again, th- this just continues to fester and build, and I just don't – I mean, I guess St. Andrews would be the one that I would go to immediately, and he certainly has had success there. And you look at – Stay away. Stay away from the kick a boot. 
Stay, stay away from the, from the well. It's a combination. Stay away from the kickabout and stay away from the, the bad side of the weather draw, which got him the first time around. So yeah, that would be the one that I would think he he could do. But again, I, I just he has so much pressure when he goes to Augusta. He has so much pressure now when he goes to the UK for one of those majors. It's going to be so hard. Uh, besides, Tiger's going to win the Open at the St Andrews. I've been told. Uh, so unfortunately, Rory is going to be that? next out there. Uh, that's what that's just what I've been told on the internet. Um, Roy McIlroy, number of wins, one and a half, over, under. Over. Yeah. I, I still like his chances week in and week out on the PGA. Tour. You think he's going to mop up at the, at, the, at, the, at the Wells Fargo's and the, and the CJ Cups of the world, but not actually well, the tournaments of significance? <laughs> you know, I guess if that's the way you want to put it. It seems like a very negative, half-empty kind of way to put it. The problem is the Wells Fargo's not played at Quail Hollow, where he seems to own that place. So <laughs> it's being relocated this year. I believe it's up in TPC. Are they going back to Wilmington? Uh, no, it's going to TPC up in Washington. I'm looking forward to that. It's my old stomping grounds, man. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Roy would would tear up a, a TPC, and I and I still think that tournament will be well attended. It's what about the players' kind of championship? The... If he wins the players' championship, is it, is the major thing over? Can we call it? Uh, no, because Roy won the made uh, won the players' championship in but 2019. That's two players. That... It, it's the argument is is two players equals a major. No, can we not do? Can we not play that game? Uh, we can. We, that's certainly a podcast for another time, perhaps during Players <laughs> Week, uh, when we will inevitably uh, question whether or not it is a major. Is there anything else you wanted to get into, Rex? Because I had something very important to to get to. No, I know what you want to get to. Yes, I had one more thing. And again, we did this on the writer's block to plug it one final time. And I found myself constrained in that particular format to talk about this. I don't think I yes, got it. We, want, we want more than 12 minutes. It was Kevin Na and whatever happened between oh, and Grace and Murray. And, and you can go look it up. I don't want to spend a lot of time on background here. They got into a Twitter spat and you and I were talking about this. And my take was... As much as I was entertained, as we all were entertained by Brooks and Bryson last year, whatever it is that was going on, I walked away from this one feeling a little dirty, feeling a little bad for Grayson Murray. We all know his bouts with mental health, and we all know that this has become an issue in sports that should be taken seriously, that we should talk about. And everyone sort of walked away, even Kevin, to a certain degree. I think he said earlier this week that he got a text from Brooks that said Brooks loved the tweets. And I don't like his ally in this particular conversation because I just feel like, look, you don't want to come off being the bully. And in this particular case, Kevin Na was just defending himself. And I don't want to make him the victim here either. But I truly think that Grayson Murray, everything you know better than I do, Lab, because you have written extensively about this, the issues that he has had and the struggles that he has had. And I felt like this was a truly triggering event where, yes, he should absolutely stay off social media. He should be, his account should be shut down, never to be reopened again. But if you're going to get into a situation where you start punching down on someone, that always concerns me. So I'll give you credit because I literally did not even think of that context with Grayson Murray's bout with. We talked about it on on Ryder's Block. No, I'm saying I didn't even think of that context before we had this debate. And I think you make a lot of great points. Uh, Twitter is already a cesspool and you throw in the fact of someone who has just come out of a rehab stint for alcoholism and has clearly been battling demons for a number of years, not just in 2021, uh, but for a number of years, that is a toxic recipe. You wish that he would take uh, a social media hiatus, get right and come back to it. However, his agent has access to the account. 
they haven't deactivated it. Uh, clearly, it's some sort of outlet form. I will say, Kevin Na, he thinks his joke is really funny. Like he is, he is slapping himself on the back for saying, "Oh, you haven't, you, you, you yeah, missed the cut well, is getting man. old too." I think it may have been deleted. Grayson's reply to that is, "You wouldn't be making cuts if they actually enforced the rule," <laughs> which <laughs> is is actually pretty good too. Like I don't think I don't think Grayson got as dunked on as people are making it out to be. Well, and and I also came to I tried to come to to Kevin's defense again. We were constrained constrained to twelve minutes talking about everything that happened in the golf universe over the course of a week. Unrealistic. I, I would argue that Kevin is is the example of why the pga tour's current pace of play policy has a sliver of light that it might work because he is held up as an example by almost every official i talk to and plenty of players who feel like that okay he was clearly slow he had a problem and once they identified it and they got in his face that he has tried to change it now he's not perfect and he's by far not the fastest did you watch the opening round on the PGA tour. I, I was taking how slow the, the, the final group was on Sunday at Sony. Like forget I like I forget about Kevin Na. Hideki I mean, Russell Matsuyama Henley is and Henley really was, slow. That was painfully slow. At one point on the telecast, they said that they were just walking to the 15th, the last group, were just walking to the 15th tee, and the second to last group was already on the 16th green. That's unacceptable. If we're really gonna see, get I actually conversation on Sunday. On Sunday, I don't have a problem with it because I the do. stakes are so significant, especially no, if they're in the I hate same that group. Argument. Let them let them take their time. On Thursday, for a dude who's trying to shoot fifty nine, Kevin Kevin Na's pace of play was abysmal. It was embarrassing, and it should have been penalized. Case in, like that's just that's just the, that's just a fact. It should have been penalized. He was taking more than two minutes to hit shots. That should never ever happen, especially on a Thursday. All right, take it to Twitter. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit, credit to the people. Grayson, what's your parting thought here? I think I know what you want to get into. Well, of course I want to get into, since you you obviously can't uh, be barbecuing this week. You're in Palm Springs. Uh, you'll be having your five o'clock dinner with the rest of the population in Palm Springs and then hitting I the hay. I ate at five o'clock tonight. It was very sad. That's why I had to hold off on the podcast till 5.30 my time. <laughs> and now it's 6.30. And as soon as we wrap this up, I'm sure you'll be hitting the hay, just like literally everyone else in Palm Springs. However, you finally made the purchase. We talked about it last week. The Pit Barrel Cooker Jr. How did it go? <laughs> Uh, I, I went with spatchcock chicken, which I still feel uncomfortable saying that, but apparently that's the correct way of saying it. And it was the easiest thing I did, I've ever done as far as smoking goes. Yeah, I've done a lot of ribs. I've done pulled pork. I uh, tried to do a brisket once. It didn't come out very well. Brisket's tough. Bad. Brisket's uh, deceptively tough. It, it was so easy. You just light it. I put the probes in, set the monitors. They let me know once the chicken... Got the 165. It, it was magical. It was. So I told good. you not to take it to 165. You got to take it to 158. Um, you know what? I actually went beyond 165 because I was being safe. Well, it's chicken. I don't think it's my first time. You don't want to mess around. Yeah, with you chicken. don't. You don't want to play. With, you don't want to play with chicken. You really and like salmon. If you're handling, if you're handling raw chicken, like yes. you better wash, wash your hands. hands. <laughs> wash your hands for about 30 seconds. If you've ever been chicken sick, uh, you will never want to be chicken sick. Again, how did your family like it? They're always they're always tough judges. No, they were, everyone was very happy. Uh, I left one of the chickens. I did two of them. 
Uh, I left one of the chickens for my wife. She was going to do some stuff with it this week. And then I pulled the other one and I made tacos for everyone. It was a huge hit. Even, even both of uh, my younger son's girlfriends came over and they loved it as well. Mm. So you really just hook, so you hook the meat and hang yes. it on the rebar. You're hanging on the rebar. Um, it, it's easy to light. Put a couple chunks of apple wood down at the bottom and it burns, I mean, lights out for Talk about chunks. Yeah, I said chunks. Yeah, chunks. Right. So, yeah, you, said so you did. You, see you did the. You did the lump charcoal. You like yeah. that? You threw the apple chunks. I don't want to go there. too deep here because again, we're we're getting off point with the broadcast with the podcast. Uh, you actually fill the basket at the bottom up, and then you only do a couple of pieces of the lump charcoal. You actually start those like in a chimney, a separate chimney, and then you pour those on top, and you let them burn down, and that creates the fire going up. Yes, that's and, and everything cooks between essentially 275 and 325 which if you're at home that is the sweet spot it's a spot where you're still going to get smoke flavor but you're also not going to be attending uh, the barbecue all day long how long did that spatchcock chicken rex take you to cook i predicted about an hour and a half that would have been about it i let it go yep. probably another 20 or 30 minutes after that uh one of the, it, it took one a little bit longer than the other that's why kind of and again it was chicken i couldn't mess around did with you, chicken did you did you rotate them i did rotate them yeah uh, and it's very easy to do. Like it's uh, it, everything. It was really, really straightforward. So I, I can't tell you how much easier it was than I, I had used a smoke box. We've talked about this before, and that took so much work. If you took the chicken breast past one sixty-five, um, I'm guessing that was a little bit dry. No, a little bit dry. Just, just, just a, just a touch dry. The just, the breast wasn't dry, dry at all. No, no, no. The breast wasn't dry, dry at all because I had injected it. I think is why. Oh, with butter. It. Oh. Uh, with butter, a little bit of hot sauce, and a little bit of rub is what the, the recipe I Oh, delish. Oh, it was chef's oh, kiss. So good. All right, what did you do this weekend for wild card weekend? Super wild card weekend. Uh, it was freezing. You were, yeah, you were in town. It was absolutely yeah. freezing on Saturday. Take so I did smoke. People live up north. We still live in Florida. Take it easy. Yep. So I did, I did smoke chili, uh, mm-hmm. and I've been enjoying it for the last three or four days. It was absolutely delicious. I have done everything on the grills they're getting a workout probably i feel like my grills know that i'm heading on the road uh next week for the first time in about three or four months so they they know i'm going to put it through its paces uh i've done steaks i did shrimp i did i did the chili i've done chicken i'm literally i've done salmon i did uh time to go seared ahi, seared ahi tuna i'm literally i think i'm cooking every day i think I'm, i go. think i'm cooking every day is the uh, wife yeah. like, okay, but yeah. Ryan, it's time for you to go. Head to the airport. Your bag is packed. <laughs> we we cannot we cannot afford pellets and or lump charcoal any longer. Uh, it, so we're going to be doing the pod next week, and you're going to be at tour. Yes, I'll be there. We'll be doing writer's block. Uh, there's another shameless nice. plug. Writer's block uh, recap and Sunday night. I actually uh, have to catch episode. a red eye Sunday night, so we're going to be up against it. So just so you know. Hmm. Yes. I guess we're gonna have to. I guess we're gonna have to figure that one out, won't we? Uh, <laughs> we have to there, figure out we're doing that Sunday night or Monday. I, I've done the math. We should be fine. We only got ten minutes, so it's not that hard of a deal. <laughs> oh, Twelve. Twelve. If we're if we're lucky for the recap pod, and then I'll be stuck in this position uh, the following week, coming home from tour from Tory Ponds. I'm not sure, Rex. I was supposed to go to do golf today in Connecticut. I might be up at uh pebble beach doing golf today i might be back in orlando studios doing golf today hell i might be home in our home studio uh doing golf today so i'm looking forward to seeing uh where my travels 
take me Rex enjoy the shootout and all the low scores which are surely going to uh, so uh, anger everyone on Twitter should be a great tournament at the American Express I'll be keeping my eyes on Abu Dhabi and every other major tour that is in action thanks for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf we will be back next week and trust me we will not be keeping it to 10 to 12 minutes Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.